Welcome to another message from Bridge Assembly, located at 725 Granite Avenue in Helena, Montana. For more information on Bridge, go to our website at bridgehelena.com. It is our prayer that this message will help you to connect with God, connect with others, and connect others with God. Heavenly Father, Lord, what more can we do than trust you? And Lord God, our faith itself is based on and leads to trust in you. So Lord God, as many of us in, in our lives right now are waiting, Lord God, every believer right now is waiting. But while we wait, we trust. So Lord God, be glorified today as we gather together here this morning. Be glorified, waiting upon you, trusting in you. Lord, we sit here with anticipation, anticipation of what today will bring, anticipation of what this week might bring, anticipation of your return. But within our anticipation, there's also frustration. Frustration as we look amongst our community and amongst our nation. That the people who are denying you, the people who have fell away from you, Lord Jesus, that's hard on our hearts, and we, we don't understand. But Lord God, we wait on you, and ultimately we trust in you. Help us to not get discouraged. Help us to not be swayed, but to continually look to you in all your wisdom and in all your guidance. Lord, we love you. We desire to spend every day with you. We desire to spend eternity with you. And in anticipation, we wait for your return. Lord, find your church faithful. Find your church ready. Jesus, today is all about you. And we lift our arms, we lift our eyes, we lift our hearts, we lift our very worship up to you. So today, change us move us convict us we wait on you holy spirit have your way and do something amazing we pray this in the mighty name of jesus and everyone said amen you guys can be seated awesome kids i'm gonna wait don't go yet we're going to have communion at the end of service. So kids, you'll be coming up at the end of service to, to have communion with us. But now you're dismissed. Now you guys are dismissed. I got the singing microphone right now. I'll change it before I come back up here. Um, got a couple quick announcements. Number one, we are doing our prayer walks. Um, just we're trying to saturate the community. We've done this the last couple summers. Um, there's a map in the foyer right when you come in. There'll be a pin and a little sticker that says 
this week, and that's the prayer concentration. So um, last week it was around the church. Um, this week is now around the Capitol. So that's something that's not specifically organized, but it's just in, we just encourage you to say, okay, praying for the Capitol this week on your free time, just zip out there and do a quick lap or linger or do whatever, but let's, uh, let's continue to pray for our community in, in all different areas. Um, there's a lot of places in this community that really need prayer, and in general, this community needs prayer, and we can be a part of that and do a part of that. So each week, just kind of glance at that when you come in. You'll know where, when, where we are praying this, this coming week. Um, what was my next slide? Oh, Zoomerang. Zoomerang is coming up June 13th through the 17th, 9 a.m. to noon here. Um, get the invitations pass out the invitations, give them to your neighbors, give them to your kids, your grandkids, your nieces, your nephews, give them to the people in the streets, give them to anybody that will take them. Grab it, we want to just do as much as we can to affect this community and we wanna show the community once again that we care about kids, but the kids are gonna learn a bunch of great things and they're gonna love it. So they'll be, um, I'm gonna keep pushing this every single Sunday until we actually have this, so get used to it. If you guys take all the invitations today, maybe I won't push it as much next Sunday. Probably not. No, probably I will. So be sure to do that. And then lastly, um, we have so many places in this church that are, that are uh, available to, to serve in. Um, there's just all sorts of areas if you're a part of this church, maybe you're a member or you're just a regular attender, I would encourage you to, to really take that step and say, hey, what could I do more? How could I serve this church? There's, there's two different church mentalities. There's a church mentality of, I go to that church so I should serve, and there's the mentality that I go to that church so I should be served. Um, one of those is very biblical and right, and the other is very selfish not biblical and way off. So um, just a lot, I'm not trying to guilt anybody. I'm not trying to do any of that. I just want you to know that there are areas within this church that, that you could serve. There's, you guys have talents, right? Use those talents within the church. And some of you are like, oh, I don't have any talents that would go here. We can train you. You're like a lump of clay we can help mold you into something that, that you could be we have everything from running the computer to facebook to sound to ushers to i mean there's all sorts of stuff mowing the yard helping mowing the yard in the summer um so there's just this variety i would encourage you guys when you take that step with your church and say hey i want to serve somewhere it helps you just um implant yourself into that body just a little more amen Amen. All right. Four ways to give. We've got four ways to give. You can give online, bridgehelena.com. You can text to give um, to 84321. There's the giving boxes, of course, in the back. Um, or you can mail it to 725 Granite Avenue, Helena, Montana, 59601. It's always... Um, just a great option to have the ability to give. Um, so we talk about giving our time, our tools, our talents, our finances. Uh, part of our faith is getting to that point where we say, God, it's all yours. 
I don't even want it anymore. Take it. It's yours. Do with it what you want. And then the Holy Spirit guides you in that. So just be aware um, and in tune with the Holy Spirit of what He is asking you to do in regards to either serving or giving or serving and giving. It's not really an option, right? It's not, well, I'm going to learn the computer so I don't have to tithe. That's not biblical either. And, and I tithe so I don't have to actually serve. That's not really biblical either. So I'm just saying... Keep it on your radar. Open yourself up. We're heading into summer. Things begin to slow down. But if you want to get involved, get involved. We can take this summer to help train you into a, into a spot. You'll enjoy it. You'll love it. You'll realize there's a lot of great people here. You'll get to know them even better. Amen? We got a sign out there, don't we, that says, come as you are. That's a big deal. Come as you are. You know, for many people, they have that misunderstanding that you do have to get completely perfect before you can come to church. And uh, that's not only an error, but there's also another one. You know, you don't even have to be saved to come to, to this church. You can come to this church to connect, to belong, um, to just be here with with others. And and I know when we do that, then, then God does begin to... to to work on us. So I don't want anybody to make the mistake that we're a perfect church. Are we? Anybody in here perfect? We're not a perfect church and, and we do invite anybody to come just the way they are with the understanding that the Holy Spirit probably won't keep them the way they are. Amen. All right. Before we get started, I want to pray. Father, once again, we come to you, Lord God. Um, turn out that light again, please. I don't know how that keeps getting turned on. Um, we love you. We desire you. Lord God, open up our hearts today. Open up our ears. But don't let us go brain dead. Allow us to keep our minds engaged. Because, Lord, with you, it's the full meal deal. It's everything. It's, it's mind, body, spirit. So, Lord God, we don't run from that. We don't deny that. But we welcome that because we know that you affect all parts of, of us. We know that you affect this church as one body. So, Lord God, be glorified. Holy Spirit, guide me in this message today. Lord, help me to present it in an appropriate way. Allow me to say the things that you want me to say, but Holy Spirit, don't let me say anything that you don't desire being said from this pulpit. Lord God, I once again pray that, that however anybody walked in here this morning, Lord God, they don't leave the same way. That I pray that, Holy Spirit, you affect a change within our lives today. And that goes to each and every person here today. Be glorified, Jesus. We pray this in your name. We lift your name high. And everyone shout it out. Amen. Amen. We've got at least one person not here today that has a booming voice from the back row every Sunday. Um, you probably have heard that booming voice. He's always like, Amen! Preach it! Yes! Um, He's not here today, so uh, instead of having one person fill in for him, we'll just allow all of you to fill in for him, okay? That being said, I, I love a noisy church. I love a, of a love a loud church. So if you feel led to say hallelujah, if you feel led to say amen, amen. preach it, get this over with, it's afternoon. Don't say that one, but... uh. 
I like a church like that. It's, it's more fun for me to be up here when there's a little bit of interaction instead of everybody staring at the floor because they're being so heavily convicted. See, when you don't speak up, that's what I think. Oh boy, they backslid. I don't even know if they're saved anymore. I'm just kidding. We don't go down there. So let's get started today. If you guys are a regular attender, you know we're here, we're in this series, No Middle Ground. It's a series on the book of First John. We've been here for a while. I, I start thinking and it's like, how can we not be on part 25? That means 25 weeks we have spent in the book of First John. First John's not that big of a book. But when we begin to break it down and, 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 and start to do that. Now, when we added in Easter and, and guest speakers and, and all the different people, man, we've been on this series a long time. How many weeks are in a year? 52. Well, this is 25. We're going on a half a year worth of, worth of First John. I, I like it. I like digging in. I like digging in and allowing it to completely speak to us, right? How many of you guys were really great students in elementary school? Not a lot of hands. A few. A few. Mostly ladies. Any guys in here? Yeah, I rocked. I'll tell you this. I enjoyed first grade so much, I did it twice. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Um, if, if you're on Facebook, my mom's probably watching. You can ask her, did he really do first grade twice? Yeah, he was that good at it. Um, sometimes school is hard, and sometimes the, the, the teachers have to come and say, Jason, okay, I'm going to talk really slow so you can understand this. Um, you ever get that from your mom or teachers? Well, the reason we're spending so long in First John is sometimes I think God has to say, I'm going to slow this down. I'm going to speak really slow because I want you to get this. See, with First John being so short, it's like, oh, I'm going to read a book of the Bible. I'm going to read a book of the Bible in, in one sitting, and it's usually not Psalms, right? That would take you a long time, and there's other books of the Bible that are so long, so we, we choose ones that are shorter. We don't want to choose the super short ones. It's like, ah, I, read, I read third John in one sitting. Really? It's like five paragraphs. You got through that whole thing. So sometimes we pick like First John and we read it rather quickly. We go through it quickly. And, and there's so much packed into First John that if we don't slow down, we can miss a lot. And that's why we're lingering on here. It will come to an end. We're coming to a, a, a spot. Next Sunday we'll hit a spot where it's like, okay, John begins to wrap this letter up. So hopefully the pastor begins to wrap this series up as well. We'll see, we'll see how that takes place. Um, I just say, okay, God, show me what to do. Where, do. where should we linger? Where should we not? All that to say is we've come a long way in this series on 1 John. And I hope you, are, I hope you guys are taking it in. Right. I hope you guys are thinking about it, engaging your brain in it. I, I hope you guys are being challenged by it. But not only that, I hope you guys are actually putting it into effect in your life. The things that we're talking about, I hope you don't just brain dump those things and think, oh, well, that was a Sunday morning thing. Now I can get by that. I don't have to think about that anymore. That's not how God works in us. We are to be continually being bombarded by the Word of God and the Holy Spirit. And, and things that we learn on Sunday, should, we should remember them on Monday. 
and Tuesday and Wednesday and Friday and Saturday night. We should remember some of those things. If you guys were here last week, last week was Mother's Day. It was a really weird Mother's Day for, for this church. It was just bizarre and in so many ways. But if you were here last week, you, un, you, you know that, that the teaching and the message was a big one. That's my personal opinion, but I think the message last week was a, was a really big one. It was very challenging for my, myself. But I truly believe that when we focus on this idea of this faith to freedom approach to our Christianity, we not only steep ourselves in a biblical foundation, but we also have this great opportunity for application within our lives that holds the potential for a true life change, right? We can say we've changed. We can say we've done this or that. But until our actions truly show that, I, I don't know that there's a true life change. And honestly, isn't that what we're all looking for? Aren't we all looking for this, this something in our life that changes things, that makes things different, that makes things, um, we see it differently, we feel it differently. I think we're all longing. It doesn't matter if, if it's a, from a different religion, it's from atheists, it doesn't matter. Christians alike, we're all looking for something that changes things. See, the world has failed us. And what we long for is redemption from this failed world. And there's only one place to find that redemption, and that's through Jesus Christ. If you missed last week, there is, there's just way too much to, to summarize that this morning. I would sincerely recommend you get online and that you watch that or you listen to that. To me, it was that important of a message. Now, I know we're all busy, but for so many of us, we cannot move forward in our lives until we gain a more complete understanding of the, the person and the teaching of Jesus Christ and really what his love is actually about. What is the true agape love of the Father? We've been talking about that a lot. Now, with all that being said, I, uh, let's continue. Let's continue today where we left off. We're going we're gonna to try to, to tie everything together, everything that we've learned so far. Um, and in so doing that, we're going to just review the text that we, that we looked at last week. We are in chapter 5 of 1 John. Last week we looked at verses 1 through 3 out of the English Standard Version because it's a little more condensed. Um, this is what it said. This is what we looked at last week. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of Him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey His commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments, and His commandments are not burdensome. So much good stuff that is packed right there. It's a lot being said. So what we're going to do is we're going to piggyback off that. We're going to advance that today. So let's take a look at verse 4. This is out of the Amplified Bible. For everyone born of God is victorious and overcomers, overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has conquered and overcome the world. Our continuing persistent faith 
in Jesus, the Son of God. Now, I read a passage like this once again, and it reminds me why, number one, I love the Word in general so much, but I really love the way John writes and the way he is writing this letter to this church. What I really enjoy about this passage is how concise it is. See, it's a big, bold statement, and it says it straight. I think we long for that today, right? We just want people to tell us straight. Just tell us. Tell us about Jesus. Not all this other religious baggage that's tacked on. I just want to know about the person of, of Jesus and what do I need to know. And some people will want to hear that so they can argue it, but at least you're staying it straight. See, in this statement, there is no middle ground here. There is no room for questioning John's statement here. Now, in other areas of the Scriptures, we find a lot of verses and, and passages that have this, this really this cause and effect um, thing going on with, with those spots. A lot of places in Scripture, it's if you do this, then as a result, this will happen. And that can be a negative response, right? Or it can be a positive response. You know, if you chase your own sin, you're going to die in your sin, right? If, then. But there's a lot of positive ones like, like first, or John 14, 15. It says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. It's a lot of that's being reflected in first John, right? There's also John 8, 36. If the Son sets you free you will be free indeed. It's an if and an effect. If you do this, then this will happen. Here's a, here's a real popular one that needs to be even more popular in this day and age. Second Chronicles 7.14 If my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, there's a lot of ifs in there, right? Then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and their and heal their land. If then, if then, if then. It's a great principle and a, a testimony to our free will, right? But also our obligation within our own faith. And John could have started this out really easily and applied the if-then principle here. However, and because of where we have been and what has led up to this point, his declaration here is completely appropriate. For everyone born of God is victorious and overcomes the world. There's no if and then. It simply states, for everyone born of God. If you are born of God, you are victorious and have overcome the world. Oh, I like the amens. I like the hallelujahs. But the reality is, is it doesn't always feel that way, does it? I mean, y'all guys always feel victorious. I mean, you guys always feel like you've overcome the world. Gosh, it's hard to overcome anything, right? We're to be victorious and feel like we've overcome the world if we are born of God, but it just doesn't always feel that way. Remember, our faith is not based upon our emotional response, we talked a lot about that last week, but instead it's based upon the truth of God's Word. Now it's natural to have highs and lows, right? 
And we're usually somewhere between those highs and lows. We're not always peaking, but we're not always at the depth of that dark valley. We operate somewhere within that, but even somewhere within that, we're kind of, oh, I'm high on that one, and I'm low on that one, but I'm not the worst, and I'm not the best, and all these different things. So it's, it's natural for us to be caught in this ocean of highs and lows every day. Good Lord, sometimes it's every minute. We change a little bit. We can be high one second. Oh, yeah, life. I got it by the guy that by the goads and something happens. We we'll read something on social media. Somebody says something to us oh, and it deflates us. There's ups and there's downs. There's times we feel great. There's times we feel terrible. But we must understand that all of those feelings are to be subservient to God's truth and the faith that we place in Him. Flip up that next slide. See, it's not so much that God's truth and our faith change our current situation as much as it changes our outlook to our current situation. That's a big thing. And, and, and I'll be honest, I'm working on this message and, and this one just kind of was there. It's just my fingers typed it and I had to go back and, and reread it several times. And, and it started to make sense to me that, that, that sometimes we're in situations and we're spending so much time asking God that He take us out of that situation or He change that situation but maybe we should be putting more or at least as much time in, 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 in just us praying, God, fix me, change me, give me the ability to operate within this situation. It's a whole different prayer, isn't it? It's a whole different prayer because God's will supersedes everything. And God has you in that situation for a reason. So maybe we begin to ask God, why am I in this situation? How do I, how do I progress through this situation. See, God desires us to live a victorious life within His greater plan for each one of us. And know that this is not the man or the woman. It's, it's, it's not us doing something, but rather it is the birth from God within our lives that is the determining factor in being victorious and being an overcomer, right? We can't do it on our own. We can't simply say, I'm going to profess to be a Christian, uh, but I'm going to operate outside of this, this born of God mentality because I can do it on my own. There's too many Christians right now that are thinking that they can do it on their own, but you can't be victorious. You can't be an overcomer on your own. See, if you were to poll a hundred people who would classify themselves as Christians, right? There's a box. We got to mark something, so I'm going to mark Christian. Take a hundred people, classify it as, as Christians, and you ask them about the doctrine of being born again or being born of God. It's the same thing. You know that wouldn't be a hundred wouldn't be 100% of people that claim to be Christians also claim to be born of God or born again. Actually, a study from about 10 years ago from the Barna Group found that while 80% of Americans say that they are Christian, only 45% of 
only 45% of them call themselves born-again Christians. That was 10 years ago. <laughs> Woo! What has happened in the last 10 years? What has happened in the last two and a half years? Right? Um, there's a lot going on. Um, and now, even now, when they, when they do studies, this is, this is real interesting, when they do, do polling, there's actually a distinction being drawn between those who call themselves born again, those who call themselves evangelical, and those who simply refer to themselves simply as Christian. See, 10 years ago even, if you called yourself evangelical, you were assumed to be born again. There's a distinction now being made where, where evangelical is almost a political distinction, I'm sad to say. So we almost have to differentiate ourselves if we are born of God or born again, that I am a born-again believer. That was way back in the 70s and 80s, right? Are you a born-again believer? We kind of lost that. But unfortunately, we have to get back to that. So despite current trends... The teachings that we find in the Bible and directly from Jesus tell us of the importance of being a born-again believer, living in a born-again faith, being born of God. Why is this so important? It's because our being born of God or born again is God's act upon our behalf. It's God's act upon our life. It's our desire that we don't just continue to live how we were, but that God comes in and he actually change, changes us. To be born of God means that we have died to ourselves, right? We are no longer stuck in our sins, but we have forsaken that. We have said, God, I don't want this anymore. I don't want to be that person. Be, come into me. Make me a new creation. That's the born-again process. Within this, and as a result of that death, we have been born or made alive in Christ because of Christ himself. A lot of you guys are sitting here going, yeah, we know all that, Pastor. We know all that. We read our Bibles. We've heard this. I read a book on it. But here's the deal. We all need to hear it again. More so now than probably ever. We have to reaffirm our born-again faith in Jesus Christ. It is this supernatural act by which we are being translated and we are being transformed from the kingdom of death into the kingdom of of life, all by way of and through the Son of God. The victory that comes from being born of God becomes our faith, and it becomes our identity. At least it should, because how could it not? See, the Greek here literally says, the victory that is victorious over the world. That's Jesus. That's what he did. And that's the, the rebirth that he gives us. It's the victory that is victorious over the world. How could we not be overcomers if we truly believe that? Again, it's, it's not us that is victor, victorious, but rather we, we celebrate and identify with the victory that has been won by Christ 
upon the cross. How beautiful is that? Uh, flip, flip that slide. We are victorious because we are born of God and thereby covered by Christ's victory over sin as well as death. That should get a hallelujah. Hallelujah! I'll say it. And not only that, but we can also be counted as the overcomers of the world. See, there's a lot of people that, that are not overcomers of the world. They're stuck in the world system. They've subscribed themselves to the, the world economy. They believe the lies of the world inside as well as outside of the church. But there's a group within the church. There's a group that fervently seek Christ within their lives that can be counted as the overcomers of the world. To overcome means success in dealing with a problem or difficulty. Any problems or difficulties exist in this world today? But an overcomer has success in dealing with those problems and those difficulties. It means to prevail by beating an opponent, overwhelming or overpowering them. The authority that is extended to us through being born by God grants us victory by overcoming. Flip that slide. Now, now let's... Listen again, for everyone born of God is victorious and overcomer and overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has conquered and overcome the world, our continuing persistent faith in Jesus, the Son of God. See, this paints a beautifully complete picture right here. To be born of God means to be victorious and, and overcome the world because Jesus has overcome the world. The victory lies in our continuing and our persistent faith in Christ. That should be big. That should be convicting. Do I have a continuing faith in Jesus Christ? Well, yeah, I still believe from last Sunday. Right, I'm here, aren't I? I guess I'm continuing. Are you persisting in your faith? Persisting every day saying, God, how can, I, how can I become more like Christ? God, how can I get to know you more? Jesus, how can I deepen this relationship with you? Holy Spirit, how can I hear you more? See, that's the persistence of our faith. We need to continually persist like the little kid who wants the candy at the candy store and the mom's busy doing other things and the kid just keeps tugging on her leg. Can I have candy yet? Can I have candy yet? Can I have candy yet? Is that annoying? to a mother yes but is that annoying to our God when we persist in such a way saying God I need you more I just want more of you I just need more of you that's wonderful to him we need to continue and we need to persist in our faith with Christ and as long as we remain and are steadfast in our faith which is our relationship with Christ then, at that point, we will have victory. At that point, we will be overcomers of the world because we've turned our back upon the world. We have died to this world, but been made alive with Christ. We most definitely will 
have challenging times. Some of you guys are going through challenging times right now. You're going through times of trials and and tribulations that you don't quite understand and you don't know why they are there, but they're there. But victory is determined and realized by continually looking to Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Do we get it? Do we get it? I mean, do we really get it? Something happens in our life and we run every direction except to God. we got to tell everybody about what is going on. There's a difference between telling everybody and complaining about what's going on and seeking prayer from your brothers and sisters about what's going on. Remember, our condition might not change, but how we handle and perceive that condition. That's a beautiful, beautiful place. Look at John. 1633, it is a a very much a a statement of of victory. I, I being Jesus, I have told you these things so that in me you may have perfect peace. In the world, you have tribulations and distress and suffering. But be courageous, be confident, be undaunted, be filled with joy. I have overcome the world. My conquest is accomplished, my victory abiding. His victory is abiding. His victory is abiding. Isn't there somewhere in Scripture that talks about how we're supposed to abide in Him? We don't abide in the victory. His victory is abiding. His victory is accomplished. All we do is abide in the One who attained that victory. See, a lot of Christians need to start walking in Christ's victory. And the first step starts with reestablishing and reemphasizing their relationship with Jesus. Now that brings us to verse 5. Verse 5. Who is the one who is victorious and overcomes the world? It is the one who believes and recognizes the fact that Jesus is the Son of God. You gotta realize it. You gotta believe it. See, there's a progression that John is, is illustrating here. It starts with our new birth. It starts with us being born of God, which is extended to us by Jesus Christ Himself, and only through Jesus Christ Himself. Is Jesus the only way? To eternal life? Absolutely. We are not going to preach a universalist doctrine that says there's multiple ways to Jesus. We are not going to preach false theology that says eventually everybody will wind up in heaven. That's just not what we're going to do because that's not biblical. We want to be biblical here. So there's this progression and it starts with being born again or born of God which is extended to us through Christ himself and then it moves to us. It moves to our experience and our act of faith as a believer in our continual persistent faith in Christ, right? So, so we seek to be born again, but it's not a one-time event, right? It's not 
saved once, always saved, or anything like that. It's this persistent faith that we desire. We desire to be with God every day. We desire a relationship with Him, and we persist in that. And then it crescendos in our confession that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. This man that walked the earth, this, this Jesus Christ of Nazareth, this one that the Gospels speak of, he was incarnate. He walked this earth. He was a real person. He died on the cross for us. Three days later, he rose again. Fifty days later, he ascended into heaven. Forty days later, he ascended into heaven. Fifty days later, he sent the Holy Spirit. That is such sound teachings. So what we need to do Number one, we need to accept Christ's sacrifice and the Father's invitation of a new life. Two, we need to allow that experience to change our actions and and pursue a true relationship with Christ. And three, we need to profess our faith and our belief that Jesus Christ is, in fact, the Son of God. Well, two out of three ain't bad. Well, I'm getting one down. No, this is the complete picture here. We accept His sacrifice. We acknowledge it. We desire it. And then we allow that to change us, to truly change us. Not, not in word, not in deed, but in action and in truth as we are pursuing a true relationship with Christ. Pursuing continually, persevering within that relationship. All of that comes to the, to the head, right? Then it comes to the point where we want to profess who Jesus is is in our life. Some people, man, they kind of get saved and they're out professing who Jesus is in their life. I don't want to say that's wrong, but we can't jump. We can't jump over number two. It's our choice to allow God into our life wholly. It's our choice to say, God, I want to be dead to myself and alive to you. It's our choice to pursue Him in such a way that changes our actions. It changes how we speak. It changes how we think. It changes how we act. You're proclaiming at this point what you believe because you are already living out that belief, right? Words are cheap. I can say anything. I can put on a good face. I can speak my Christianese with the best of them. But what about the heart? What about what's really going on inside you? How's your fruit? Is it good? Is it rotten? Is it plastic and fake? Or is it non-existence? See, when you get to this point, you're... You're, you're living out that belief. You're truly living it out because you're born again and things inside you have changed. You have literally been born of God. We should never seek in our own lives anything less than being born of God, being aligned with this process. We should never seek anything less Don't discount yourself. Don't seek anything less. But we should never require anything more from others. See, religion dictates that as men, we like to throw a bunch of rules down, right? You can't come as you are. What are you talking about? You can't sing that song here because we got a dress code here at Bridge Assembly. 
we don't really have a dress code. You should look around and be like, man, there's no dress code here. We should not require anything of anything else, of anybody else that has not been required of us. See, man, man-made religion throws this, this big wet blanket upon what Jesus is doing, about what the Holy Spirit is, is doing. No, I cannot allow you to run the computer because you've only been saved for six months and that's reserved for people that have been saved for, for two years. That's just our rules here. No, it's not. Those are man-made rules. There's a lot of man-made rules that, that, get in the, that get in the gears and they monkey everything up. So just remember that. We should never seek in our own lives anything less than this, but we should never require anyone to have anything more than this. That's a healthy church. That's an alive church. And we're not requiring this to come to a church. We are just saying this is the correct process. Now let's work through this. You want to come here absolutely unsaved, worshiping the devil? You want to come to church every Sunday? Please do. Because I believe the Holy Spirit will begin to work on you. He's going to begin to do things in you. There's going to be statements spoken. There's going to be lyrics sung. And they're going to start to change you. And, and you're going to start to say, you know what? I, I'm beginning to think that this Christ guy, man, he was real. And then there was a sacrifice. And, and maybe that truly is the Father's invitation to a new life. Get to that part. Get to that portion. And, you, and that's exciting. That's exciting to send people, right? Because then a change starts to happen. And they begin to be, be, be gaining in a relationship with Jesus. Sometimes it's really quick. And sometimes it's really slow. And sometimes there's a lot they have to deal with. And sometimes there's not a whole lot. But all this is happening. All this is doing. It's transforming. It, it, it's, it's changing people. They're starting to do some very different things. Their friends and family are starting to get nervous because they're one of those Bible thumpers. You go to church every Sunday, and not just Christmas and Easter, but every Sunday. And, and they're starting to speak different, and, and they're doing things very, very differently. And, and they're even starting to profess their belief that Jesus Christ is the Lord. Can we even invite them to Thanksgiving anymore? Will they bring that up? But there's a change happening. There's a, there's a, there's a transformation happening. See, victory. Victory needs this whole process. We can't just simply acknowledge that we believe in Jesus, but continue to live our life a certain way and expect to have the victory. The victory is within Jesus Christ and within our faith. Flip that slide. Victory allows us and assures us that we can love God and love the children of God. Victory also promises that we can obey His commandments and teachings. You know what else victory does? Victory says, this, this world is not your own. Victory says, this world is, 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 is not all there is. Victory says that Jesus is coming back for His church. We live in that victory. We embrace that victory. And it all comes back to, down to faith 
love and obedience and and that relationship that those three things have with each other, which are all indicators of our new birth. Well, how do I really know that I've been born again? Well, let's talk about faith. Let's talk about love. Let's talk about obedience. Let's talk about things like relationship with God as well as with others. Now, we can get caught up in this portion of 1 John. We can get all excited. We can, Man, that makes sense. That's so, so good. That is so good. But we, we need not forget that one of the original reasons that this letter was ever written, if you think all the way, think back 25 messages ago. 24, 23 messages ago, we talked a lot about why, why John was writing this letter. And, and John was writing this letter to these, these churches. It wasn't just one church. It was a group of churches. And he was, he was writing it to refute those who had left these churches. They had made a disturbance. They had tried to split the church. They had, they had left these churches, and they were still trying to pull people out of these, these churches. They still wanted to have influence within these churches. So, so John is writing this letter to set some things straight because those who had left were propagating many false teachings, this really bad theology, and really the most destructive teaching that they were propagating was that, that Jesus was not actually the incarnate Son of God, that, that the Son of God was more of a spiritual feeling, and it didn't actually, it wasn't actually a person that came to earth. It wasn't actually a, a, a person in the Son of God who died upon the cross. That's what they were propagating. And John's teachings here established this line between victory and defeat. Right? Christ has all victory. Anything outside of Christ has all defeat. But acknowledging Christ is part of living within that victory. John was establishing this, this idea between being born of God and everything that, that, that flows from that and, and denying the need for a new life as well as dying to oneself. These people in these, that had left these churches, they didn't think they had to die to oneself. They could separate. There's the physical me and the spiritual me. The spiritual me is born of God, but, but the physical me can continue to live here and do whatever I want. There's a separation. And, and John's coming back and says, no, it's the full thing here. It's mind, it's body, it's spirit. There's a physical component, and that has to be submissive to, to God as well as your soul and as well as your spirit. You guys following this? You guys understanding this? You guys getting this? I hope. It was applicable and needed for every believer in these, these early churches. But it's also applicable to every believer today that we make this distinction that we are to be born of God. And that's where victory comes. See, it's encouraging because the life we live as born-again believers is actually a life of celebration. It's a life of celebration now as well as eternity. How many of you guys celebrate the fact that you are born of God? I hope so because, man, sometimes as Christians, we're like the, ugh, we're like the Eeyores of society. Oh, I love Jesus, but I'm just trying to get through the day. 
It's tough. It's, where's the celebration there? We celebrate now. If you can't celebrate now, eternity is going to be a long time. You've got to learn to celebrate. The book of Acts, as well as the epistles, are full of accounts and references to the victorious power of God against every principality that sets itself up against believers and against the church, right? Look at, look at Galatians 2.20. This is out of the Amplified. It acts amplified. It's louder. There's, it's just deeper. I have been crucified with Christ. That is, in him I have shared his crucifixion. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith, by adhering to, relying on, and completely trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. Paul is, is professing this. He's saying in my own life, this is where I'm at. But he is not saying that we should not be in the exact same place. Galatians 2.20 should be a wake-up call. It should be a longing. It should be a blueprint of what we need to be doing. See, Paul is proclaiming the victory that he has attained. It's not by or through himself but rather by and through Jesus Christ. He is living within the victory of Christ. And it's a great realization that each one of us should strive for on a daily basis. Now we take Galatians 2.20 and we combine it with Romans 8.37. Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors and gain an overwhelming victory through him who loves us so much that he died for us. We're not just conquerors. We're more than conquerors. We're not just overcomers. We're more than overcomers. We're not just victorious. victorious. We are more than victorious. Why? Because we abide in Christ who claimed the victory. That's victory in every situation. That's victory in every circumstance. And it points to the true love of the Father displayed in the obedience of Christ. You guys have to be victorious in everything that you do as long as you have the realization that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and you are born of Him. Seriously, what could this world throw at us that could take away from that? Absolutely nothing. It is here that we come to this knowledge that the victory that we experience, it's not so much against people, right? How many of you guys want victory over certain people in your life? That's you wanting that. That's not Jesus wanting that for you. So it's, it, it's not so much against people or, or even powers or circumstances that come against us from the outside, but rather the victory that, that Jesus gives us, the victory that we live in. It's, it's against the internal enemies that, divide, that defy our consciousness and, and revile our beliefs and our standards, right? There's, that, that, there's always things coming against that, right? It's called our soul warring against our spirit. And did God really say that? 
Yeah, he really said that. Oh, you could kind of float into this gray area just a little bit. Oh, it's not like, and if you do, you just ask for forgiveness. It's how, Go sin all you want. Come to church Sunday morning. Maybe go to the altar. Maybe not. Just ask for forgiveness. You'll be fine. That's warring against us. Man, we're a tumultuous um, whirlpool within us. It's always rising up against us. See, those adversaries that are within us, a lot of this is it's in our own mind, and sometimes it's a dem- demonic whisper. It's an influence. They, they seek to corrupt our soul and to distract us from the, the, the life of faith, the life of, of love, and the life of obedience to God. You don't really need to go to church today. You were there on Mother's Day. You missed Mother's Day, so why don't you just go ahead and miss today? You don't really need to pray. Instead of prayer, seek Google. Google will tell you what to do. Google's not the Holy Spirit. But there's things within us that keep saying, oh, just a little more. Walk that line just a little closer. Stay on the fence just a little bit longer. We truly are our own worst enemy. And I don't care who you are. We all struggle here in one way or another. But victory always comes back to faith. Faith is our belief in God and our knowledge about Him. And this is dependent on the revelation and obedient confession that Jesus is the Son of God. How many of you guys on a daily basis, confess that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? How many of you guys on a daily basis say, God, I screwed up. I don't even know to the degree I screwed up, but I know it was probably bad. Forgive me of those sins. How many of you guys on a daily basis pick up your cross? How many of you guys on a daily basis live out Galatians 2.20? See, it's always been this way. And it always will be this way. We are in a continual process of change. We are continually being sanctified until that day that we step into glory. It's going to be a decision on our part if we are going to pursue God the way we should to fight for our faith, to deepen our relationship, or we're not. The more we choose to not, the more it becomes a habit. And I'm sad to say that our country right now is in a bad habit. We still have people that have not returned back to church after being told they couldn't go to church and being so upset because nobody can tell me I can't go to church. And now they're telling themselves it's not that important to go to church. How much harder will it be when the it's more permanent that we can't go to church. Maybe, maybe we're not allowed to, to read our Bibles. Maybe, maybe all the Bible apps have been censored and changed or deleted from the Internet. My goodness, how many of you guys still have a paper Bible and you know where it is? You better know where it is. But it's our choice. It doesn't matter what anybody else says. We have to come to the point where we make that choice. 
And this brings us back really to the question we have asked several weeks ago and, and, and all along, who is Jesus? Remember, it doesn't matter what they say. It matters what I say. Who do they say Jesus is? Who cares what they say? What matters is, is who I say and believe in this idea of Jesus Christ. Who is he? To you personally, who do you say Christ is? Who do you believe him to be? Worship team, if you guys want to come back up here, it's just a. We're going to enter into a time of communion. And communion is, is wonderful because communion allows us to commune with God and with others. Can you take communion on your own? Absolutely. And we probably should, just between us and God. And, and a lot of times in weddings, I'll just bring the bride and groom forward and, and they take communion together with, with God. But, but there's sometimes when the body of Christ gets together, it's a, it's a powerful thing. And, and there's so much that communion conveys. I will say this. As, as a church, as this church, we... We serve an open communion. We don't believe that, that communion is exclusive to this church or this denomination. So we, we open it up to anybody. Anybody can walk through those doors and they're welcome to take communion with us. We just want to treat communion with respect and in a worthy manner. So all we ask is that you are a Christian. You have been born of God to take communion. And we do that not to discredit ourselves, but to protect you. Paul has some very um, explicit instructions on how we treat communion and that we don't treat it in an unworthy manner because that can bring hardship upon you. So within this church, to take communion, we just ask that you have a relationship with Christ. And if you're sitting here today... And you're saying, gosh, I think I'm a Christian, but I don't know if I'm born again. And Should I take communion? Or should I skip communion? Well, we can take care of all that today. We can take care of all of that today. Come to the altar. Get right with God. Come to the altar. Get back to God. Come to the altar humbled and simply saying, God, I need you. I want your rebirth in my life. Now as we do communion, we just bring the table out here. And whenever you guys are ready, during worship, we just allow you to come up and receive your elements. Hold those till you get back to your seat. But in so doing, take some time. Linger at the altar. Everybody will be at the altar today. It's the only way to get everybody to the altar is serve communion. That was a joke. Kind of. But as you do this, it's not about bread. It's not about juice. It's about being right with God and communing with God as well as communing with others. You know, in Luke chapter 22, something that really always jumps out at me is, is when Jesus said this, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. Fast forward, Jesus is saying, I earnestly desire to eat this communion with you because I suffered. 
Heavenly Father, Lord, help us to treat our faith with the due respect that we should. Lord God, help us come to an understanding, Lord, an understanding of the importance of having a new life within you. To be born again by you. And Lord God, if there's anybody sitting in here today and they have a question about that, Lord, help them get right with you so that today can be the celebration. Today can be the day where they begin to claim victory. That they feel like they've overcome the world. So Lord, as we linger on communion today, Lord God, help us all to get right. We pray this in your name. Worship with us. Come and get your elements. But if you need prayer, if you have questions, I'm available. Charlie and Georgie and Ralph and Sandy, we're all available to, to pray with you. But let's celebrate. Amen? Amen. Has everyone been served? Lobby, guys, sound booth? Guys, good. You know, I've been praying and just asking God that it's like, God, I want an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. I want to see the outpouring of the Holy Spirit because the outpouring of the Holy Spirit changes so much. And I want to be a church known that, man, the Holy Spirit is strong there. But, but tied together with the Holy Spirit is the truth of God. And, and I'm always reminded that, that it's both, right? It's, the Holy Spirit convicts us in the truth of the Scriptures, right? So we don't get flaky, hyper-spiritual over here and just simply liturgical in, in the Word over here, but it's that combination that comes together and beautiful things happen. And, and I believe that's how we treat communion as well. Things come together. God's church comes together in communion. And then we commune with Him, and it's, and it's a beautiful experience. So, so as communion today is very personal, right? It's also very public in our display, in our faith. Such a wonderful, wonderful thing. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul is, is going through um, communion. And there's, a, there's correction here, but there's also encouragement. And Paul's just really good at, at laying things out. Paul writes this, For I received from the Lord... But I also deliver to you that the Lord Jesus on the night he was betrayed took bread and when he had given thanks he broke it and said this is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way he also took the cup after supper saying this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Remember, Jesus said, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. I mean, we're talking hours before. But it was important to Jesus to be with his guys and to do this together really establishing this idea of the church 
right and how the church is to react and to enjoy each other and to do things collectively and together. So we do the same thing. Take your bread. Just hold it up. Father, thank you for your plan. Lord God, as, as heartbreaking and painful as that plan was, Lord, you sent Jesus Christ to this earth to teach us, but to ultimately suffer and to die for us. And Lord God, you've stated that by your stripes we can be healed. And, and Lord God, that's, that's not simply a statement about physical healing. Lord God, even larger, it's a statement of being is spiritually healed, our soul being healed and, and regenerated in you. So Lord God, today as we hold this bread, we, we proclaim your name and, and we proclaim that we are born again believers striving for both your truth and your spirit go ahead and take your bread and Lord you speak of this cup as the new covenant the new covenant that we live within no longer are the days of the the sacrificial system but lord god you provided the one true sacrifice the new covenant has come into effect we live within the new covenant so lord god within that new covenant lord god we ask that we may abide in you and claim the victory and overcoming of this world lord god we stand here today and we proclaim that jesus christ you are our lord and savior and we confess that you are the son of god and we look forward to your return lord don't delay don't delay any longer let your return be soon take your church home Lord God, you have a plan all the way to completion, Lord. How much longer must we wait? But as we wait, we abide and we trust in you, living within your victory. Jesus, it's all about you. Go ahead and take your cup. Father, we proclaim your goodness. We proclaim your truth. We proclaim your holy name, the name that is above all names. You are the author, the finisher, the alpha, the omega. You are before the beginning, and you will be later than the ending. Lord God, you encompass everything. Everything that was made was made within you. We glorify you by offering you our heart and our life. Grant us that rebirth, that we abide in you and live within your victory. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here in your power, in your authority, in your counseling, and in your conviction. Lord God, we ask for healing upon this church, upon this community, upon this nation, and upon this world. As we abide in you, we abide in your victory. Help us to live that out, to speak it out, and to bring more people 
to your throne so that they may enter your kingdom. Pray this in your name, the mighty name of Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior. And everyone shout it out. Amen. Hey, if you're looking around this congregation today and you're saying, hey, so-and-so's not here. Call them, text them, check on them. If you're saying, well, so-and-so hasn't been here for a while, invite them back to church. If you know your neighbors need Jesus, bring them. Let's fill this church by going to the highways and the byways and bring them in for the great banquet. Amen? Amen. This concludes today's message. We hope you can join us next Sunday for services beginning at 10 o'clock a.m. at Bridge Assembly located at 725 Granite Avenue in Helena, Montana. For more information about Bridge Assembly, go to bridgehelena.com. And we hope you can join us next Sunday with Pastor Jason Metz.